It all started when I was approached to be spokesman for a multinational corporation called EES. Oh, the Everything Except Shoes people. Right. I was at their headquarters to meet the chairman and the board of directors. They wanted to send me to South America to promote a controversial fertilizer called Zygrot 24. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? And it's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis. This is episode 165, and our movie this week was Freaked from 1993, written and directed, uh, it, co-written and directed by Alex Winter, Bill of Bill and & Ted. And joining me to talk about it is the one and only Jay Funktastic. How are you doing, sir? I am. Fantastic. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> so you were familiar with this movie, yes? Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and I don't know how you feel about this movie. So I either, <laughs> you know, congratulations that you've been introduced to it or I apologize immensely. One of the two. <laughs> well, we'll get into that. Um, but first, I'd like to know kind of your history of it, because I always love to bring you, you know, oftentimes with this show, it's my guest seeing a movie for the first time. Um, but. I, I do enjoy when a guest brings a movie that they really like and have me see that something that I haven't seen for the first time. So tell me what your, your history was with freaked. So uh, back in 93, uh, when this movie was released, probably actually it was more, probably more like 94 or late 93, uh, when it was released on home video, I never saw it when it was in the theaters or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, me and I had a, my best friend in high school, we used to, um just rent the weirdest movies we could find and i i'm a person like i love weird music i love weird movies like sure. i just it, i gravitate towards it like my favorite bands growing up were like uh you know mr bungle and okay. prima things like that like i love the weird side i like weird for weird sake sure same thing with movies i, I like you know killer clowns from outer space things like that like those are my favorite kind of things is just out of the ordinary type of mm -hmm. stuff and um me and my friend josh who you know we were best friends in high school used to stay over at his house all the time sleepovers we would you know get pizza and just rent the weirdest movies we could find and uh one day i remember being at school and he came up to me and he was like man you have got to come over this afternoon i rented the weirdest movie i've ever seen in my life and you have to you just have to come over and see it i was like all right went over to his house that afternoon and i think we watched it two times in a row because <laughs> for one thing it's only like an hour and 15 minutes long this yeah. is not a long movie yes so we watched it a couple of times and, and i just remember after watching it that first time i was like this is the most can can i cuss on here <laughs> uh let's go to pg-13 yeah, I'll say this is this is my one S bomb. This is the most batshit crazy movie <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And I instantly fell in love with it. Now, over the years, I, I've gotten away from it, like watching it again this week for this is mm -hmm. the first time I've seen it in probably 10 years or so. OK, um, but I, I used to watch it all the time. I had the DVD. I had the VHS of it. But it's one of those movies that I feel like it's sort of a litmus test for if I, you know, people that say they like movies, they like watching movies. I'm like, you, have you seen freaked? 
because <laughs> right. if you've seen it and you appreciate it for what it is, and then we can sit and talk. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of like that because you're, this is a movie that I feel like you're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. There is no in between for this movie. I would agree with that. There, there doesn't, uh, this is not a movie that you can have a lukewarm response to. Yeah. This is a movie that I would recommend only if you've never seen it before, I would recommend watching it with a group of people Mm -hmm. or people that kind of share, you know, like to watch and make fun of movies or, you know, watch movies and appreciate them for the weird weirdness that they are. Yes. Not the type of movie I think you're going to sit and watch by. If you've never seen it before, you're probably going to watch it and be like, what the hell did I just watch? So, okay. So I knew that this movie existed. Um, I did not see it when it came out. Um, in fact, barely anybody did. I think it's U.S. and Canada gross was like $30,000. So it did not make a lot barely, of money. <laughs> barely anything. Um, but I knew of it a few years later, and it was the Bill and Ted connection. It was like, I wonder what Alex Winter's been doing. And someone's like, yeah, he made this movie called Freaked. And then I just never watched it. And it just sort of, I would forget about it. And every every you know few years, it would come back up in a conversation somewhere or in me searching around about just random stuff. And I just never got around to watching it. So when you mentioned it as a, an idea for the show, I thought, it's perfect. Let's Let's go for it. And it is... 100% the way you are describing it. This is not a movie to sit down and be like, all right, it's going to be a movie night. I'm going to got my popcorn. I'm going to settle in and watch Freaked. Because <laughs> it's gross. You're not going to want to wa- eat popcorn while watching this movie. No, it's you gross. no, you really not. Uh <laughs> so, here's what I will say on the movie. Uh when it started off, um my first thought was, all right, so it's weird. Um and I I'm like you. I like weird stuff. Primus is one of my favorite bands. I love Les Claypool. And those guys just because it's weird for weird's sake. Like there's nothing other than that. Mr. Bungle is a great one. Uh, Butthole Surfers were, were another one of those groups that just like they just do weird stuff. And I do tend, especially musically for some reason, I tend to gravitate to that. Um, yeah. One of my favorite bands of all time is Man or Astro Man, which is mm-hmm. a surf punk band that essentially uh, they, their, their whole shtick is that they're aliens from the future. It's weird. Yeah. It's way out there. They have clips from old sci-fi movies in their songs. Everything's got this yeah. sci-fi theme to it. And, and when people ask me what this movie, like if I, when I talk to this movie about people, like this movie's like, like uh, if Guar made a movie, <laughs> it's pretty much what it's like. Yeah, it, it, you're not wrong at all. Um, and and then I find out that you know Alex Winter and Tom Stern had a. Uh, this was born. This movie was born out of their uh, TV series on on MTV, The Idiot Box. Which I very which actually I was I was gonna bring it up that if you were a like I feel like when this movie came out and I saw it I feel like it was aimed directly at me personally because mm-hmm. I was such a huge fan of at the time I, and I don't know if you ever watched it did you remember Liquid Television I do on MTV yes I do remember this movie that. is like an extended episode of mm-hmm. Liquid Television and I feel like Liquid Television kind of came about either around the same time or sort of out of the ashes of the idiot box, because I very, very, very vaguely remember the idiot box being on, but it wasn't like that was 91, 92. I just didn't quite like, I didn't latch onto it there. Liquid television was a couple years later and I remembered those. Yeah. Um, But yeah, this is such a weird, weird movie, but 
when it started, I'm thinking, oh, okay, all right. But as it got going and I realized kind of what it was, I started to enjoy myself more. And I started to really like fall into, oh, okay, all right. Now I know where we're at. I found the rhythm. I know what I'm dealing with. And I just had fun with it. And it was it was that. It was super, super fun. Um, it's silly. It does not take itself seriously. And I didn't take it seriously. And that helped me a lot. Like, I'm not breaking it down as filmmaking. It's this is a this is a fun project. It's it's goofy. It's out there. But then you start like seeing all these actors that you recognize. Um, I mean, the clip at the beginning, we had Brooke Shields, uh, Alex Winter, obviously, uh, stars in it, co co writes and co directs it. Um, and him at the beginning of the movie, I couldn't stand. Uh, it's funny you bring that up because I actually met Alex Winter mm -hmm. a couple of months ago and uh, talked to him for a little bit and he's kind of a jerk. (laughs) So Oh really? Because I, I I talked to him to try to get him to uh, do an episode of my my podcast, open open micers podcast. Okay. And it, talking to him, like it, it was almost like I walked up to him and farted, like <laughs> just he just wanted nothing to do with me. Hmm. And yesterday, when I was watching this again, or the other day, I was watching this again. Uh, my girlfriend came in the room and she's like, "Wait, is that that?" Is that that guy from Pensacon? I was like, yeah. She's like, ugh, what a jerk. <laughs> I'm not watching this. I was like, okay. And it's it's hard too, because you never know. Like when you meet somebody, did you catch them on a bad day or what's happened? But um, it, it was it wasn't so much like it was his performance. It was the way he was playing the character at the beginning of the movie that mm-hmm. it was by design. It was supposed to be grating and annoying, but between him. And uh, and his buddy Ernie, um, who uh, where did he go? I had his name. Ernie was played by Michael Stoy- uh, Stoyanov. Um, man, I just wanted to kick him into traffic. Like they were so <laughs> annoying. And that guy was in a bunch of stuff back in the early '90s too. Like he's instantly recognizable as I've seen him in something. He was in a bunch of stuff back well, then, but I, yeah, he was I in a lot seen of stuff. Him in anything lately? It, what I remember him from and is Blossom. He was on like a hundred episodes right. of Blossom, yes. yeah. and uh, and that's the thing. Like when I see his face, that's what pops into my head. But they were they were intentionally supposed to be that. So it took me like fifteen to twenty minutes of the movie to kind of get over that part of it and be like, oh no no no, this is by design. Okay, I can deal with that now. Outside of those two, like the performances across the board were so good in this, and seeing um, you have William Sadler, who I love. In, yes. in so much he's just great uh it, um megan ward uh who i always remember from the uh, movie called pcu um yes where she was she was great in that uh randy quaid i i really wish randy quaid hadn't gone completely crazy in the last like 10 years because he's so good he in is, this movie oh, it was like God. written for him he's perfect like he is just it's like he slipped into a uh, into a suit and it just fit perfectly and and boom there he goes like he just was spot on throughout the whole thing imagine uh uh, uh what's his name in uh chris in the vacation movies uh oh yeah uh cousin eddie cousin eddie like imagine if cousin eddie was like a psychopath murderer like <laughs> that's pretty yeah. much his character yeah that's uh that's really 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 accurate kind of scary actually (laughs) 
but he's <laughs> he's just so good in this. And then you have an uncredited uh, Keanu Reeves as yes, Ortiz, I was the, dog, ask if you the dog boy. Noticed that he was in the movie because mm-hmm. he's uncredited, and he's in a lot of the movie. I mean, he's in a good chunk of it. Yeah. Um, and also, and and I didn't know it was him until the very end when I saw I saw his name at the beginning, and it's John Hawks. And John Hawks' name pops up in the beginning, and then I'm I'm looking for him the whole movie because I love John Hawks. Like he is one of those actors who pops up in a bunch of stuff. Uh, most notably for me is uh, is a movie called Identity that he plays. Uh, he's in, and also uh, I adored him. I loved his performance in American love Gangster. Identity, dude. Identity is one of the greatest. Oh, like twists could, in a movie. I could, I could talk for, for hours about identity and how much I love that movie. Um, and then a few years later, he was in American Gangster, and John Hawks was great in that. Um, so I kept looking for him the entirety of the movie, and he finally gets to have his face on screen in the last like 30 seconds of it, and you barely can tell it's him. Uh, but he was the cowboy. And I would have had no – if I hadn't seen his name, I'd have had no clue that was him whatsoever. We say cowboy – we literally mean yes. cowboy. <laughs> um, also, Mr. T as the bearded lady yeah. uh, was amazing casting. I have some trivia about that later uh, that I found interesting. Um, but but so many like they they were just there were so many fun little uh, performances. Derek McGrath as the worm um, was super fun. Bobcat Goldthwait, like how do you not yes. like him uh, as Sockhead? And it was just, it was fun top to bottom, like recognizing these faces or seeing these names and, uh, and, and then watching them just ham it up and have fun. And that's what, what really did it for me. Once I got over my, my distaste for, uh, for, uh, Coogan and, uh, Ernie as characters, (laughs) you know, like I said, uh, I, I've never met, um, Alex Winter, you have, so you have much more. He may be a nice person. You may have caught him on a bad day. Who knows? But, boy, yeah. that performance at the beginning of it, I'm just like, oh, God, just can we kill him off? Can we get rid of Coogan? Um, <laughs> but it was it was a fun movie. And then, and then when we get to the freak show and things really start to happen, you see where all the budget in the movie went. Uh, I think it was like an eleven or twelve million dollar budget, and it's like it's all in the the creature effects and the costuming yeah, and makeup. And... That's exactly where every cent of this movie went to. But also the way this movie is shot, this movie is beautifully shot. Oh, it really is. Like it is shot way above where a movie like yeah. this typically gets made. Mm-hmm. Right? They're they're normally uh, they're normally done very cheap. And so, and they look cheap. This didn't look cheap, both because of the the budget that went into the effects and the makeup, and then what they did for the shots, for the for the framing, for the cinematography, the lighting. It's all good. I was so impressed by that, wow. and it makes it uh, much more rewatchable because of that. Um, something like uh, I I also uh, enjoy Killer Clowns from Outer Space, having watched that uh, not that long ago, but it didn't quite meet this level. Although I mean, that one's a cult classic too, but I can see where this became a cult classic. It's kind of a, I can also see why it fell flat and didn't make any money box office wise. Like this is not really hard. I imagine it was really hard to market this movie Mm -hmm. as well, because I mean, what would you even market this movie as it's, it's definitely a comedy, but Mm -hmm. it's also 
you know, body horror, it's sci-fi, it, it's like so many things. Like, doesn't quite know what it wants to be, but it definitely wants to be a comedy. Yeah, it's it's almost like if Cronenberg was filming with the Pythons. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's exactly. kind of it's kind of that, like. Because Monty Python would occasionally do some silly stuff, but they never got that far in that direction. And Cronenberg would put some humor in, but it never went that far into a comedy. Kind of mm-hmm. like he never made a comedy per se. Um, this is this is kind of that, and it's just it doesn't let up either. It is, uh, in fact, the opening credits and the the energy level of it reminded me of um, Tank Girl. Yeah, if you're if you're epileptic, I oh, do don't not watch recommend. It watching the the intro the the credits to this movie because you know it's not good for you <laughs> no and in fact i'm glad you brought that up because i was going to mention that like it was a total seizure warning in those first five yeah. minutes uh during that uh that song with uh, henry rollins um they're interesting credits but whew, boy yeah, they're, <laughs> i was like man I'm, I'm about to have one um but yeah just ah uh, the the and then i saw the name uh so I'm seeing all the names go across the screen, and then I see uh, all the different names for the creature effects and makeup, and there was a lot of them. And then the last one is Screaming Mad George, and I was like, "Well, then we're in we're in good hands here," because you see that name, you know what you're getting. And boy, did they go all out with these costumes! Like they looked good, yeah, grotesque and and just insane, but they looked so good. They didn't look cheap, like that worm costume didn't look cheap to me and it moved well i mean just alex winters uh makeup as well when he became the beast boy like the way the mouth like where did they hide the other half of his lip is i, I don't i like, can't the mouth moved and there are scenes where he opens the mouth and you can see into it i'm like did they go in and digitally erase that or were they able to digitally erase that at the time? I mean, for a, a low budget movie in 93, I don't think the tools even would have existed in 93 to digitally erase anything, let alone, I mean, maybe, but not on a budget of 12 million. Yeah. Um, cause that was, that one was, I guess the, all the drool that he has was just Alex winter drooling because of the way that Probably. fit. He, he couldn't, um, op- he couldn't close his mouth. Like, it yeah. was stuck open with that that <laughs> prosthetic he had you know it was but boy did it like it looked good and i loved the framing device of him being on the talk show and they have the light off and they have everything <laughs> yeah. framed and the silhouette looks it's ex- the exact silhouette that got me because the entirety of the movie i'm waiting for it and then when you hear right at the end that there's an antidote and then they're like oh we fixed his light and they turn it on and he's just fine and it's a cactus behind him i'm like all right that's yeah. <laughs> like there were there were several of those kinds of moments that were very clever. Um that one was one uh I loved every phone conversation that um Elijah has, Elijah Skuggs has with the laughing man. Yeah. That like that kind of humor always gets me where he's yeah. just the guy on the phone's just laughing and he's he's understanding and interpreting everything. Uh that was that was really funny. Um Yeah, I I one of my notes was Keanu cuz I recognized his voice right away when he came out as Ortiz. Um, so that was cool. I actually really liked, really liked Mr. T um, for his limited screen time. And I guess the, I'd like to find 
the DVD commentary and listen to it because apparently on there or in an interview somewhere, Alex Winter said that he, Mr. T got um, real like nervous or had a, uh, anxiety and ended up leaving a couple days early. And so they had to shoot one shot with like a body double. Huh. Um, I didn't know about that. Yeah, uh, this is the, the trivia. Alex Winter claims that Mr. T got stressed out and left the set three days before filming was finished. A scab, Mr. T, was required for one shot. The standing can be seen in one of the cage shots during the battle between uh, Stewie and, and Ricky. Um, wow. He was, he was also unavailable for redubbing uh, in the scene with all the milkmen. So they had somebody just dub over his voice, which that oh, okay. happens quite a bit. But yeah, I, I don't know what got him so stressed out, but he was a ton of fun. I think my only, by the end of the movie, my only real complaint was the bearded lady uh, from from a story standpoint, right? From like a character kind of, because everybody sort of had a little bit of character progression, uh, uh-huh. which is also kind of surprising in a movie like this. You don't really think of that. But his character, the bearded lady, I loved how there was a scene where the bearded lady is just like, this is who I am now. I'm, I'm yeah. a lady, like I'm happy with this. And then at the end of it, he comes out and it's a guy again with no beard. And I'm like, oh, they should have let, the joke should have been that he didn't like macarons, but he was okay with it. Yeah, that like, that was, that, that kind of hit me too on this watch through as well. Like, because, you know, of course they made the, the worm guy the the guy who didn't like macaroons and I was like it would have made more sense to make Mr. T's character be the one to do that. Yeah, because in and for 1993 to put that kind of content in uh the script at all but the way that they handled it too I thought was actually really mm-hmm. good and that oh, held yeah. up over uh over the last 30 years. Yeah. But, yeah, it wasn't if I had cringy at all. Like no. that could have easily gone cringy. Very easily and there's a couple of moments where they borderline on that cringy and like and you think, oh, okay, it's going to be that kind of humor, but they never went there with that character, and I was so glad to yeah. see that because it just makes it where it's like, cool. Now that I know, I know that that is not going to be a blocker for me to show this movie to other people at some point, right? Because I don't have to worry about, oh, it gets a little cringy here. Don't you know? Just remember, it was 1993. I don't have to say that. So that's that's nice. Um, uh, oh, another uh, another bit that got me was when everyone's giving their backstories. Um, because I loved how you get, you get Mr. T's backstory and then you get Bobcat Goldthwait's backstory, uh, which is, I'm, I'm terrible at telling, I'm terrible at backstories and it just goes on to the next person. And then the hammer that was the, that <laughs> made me laugh out loud. That was so good because there I didn't see it coming at all. That made me laugh out loud again. It was that moment. And then there was a moment with Stewie where he's, uh, ejected from the plane and uh, you see like this open pasture with uh, a huge pile of hay. Oh, yeah. And like cows around and you hear him screaming on the way down. You think he's going to land in the pile of hay and he just smacks the ground. And it's like this dummy that hits the ground. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know why that made me laugh so hard, but it just hit me in, in just the right way. That felt like it was straight out of a Warner Brothers cartoon. Like that was the perfect timing of that. This, this movie is sort of like a a Looney Tunes cartoon mixed with like three, three stooges, like slapstick humor. Mm -hmm. Like it's that sort of comedy. Like it's a straight up comedy, but there's so many other just 
like horror not i don't want to say like it's not a horror movie but like i said like the body horror and things like that like uncomfortable things to see sure oh definitely uh grotesque i think is the word that that i would use for it um but it's it is firmly a comedy and it is not in any way uh taking itself seriously at all i mean if if like way over the top uh prosthetics get to you then i wouldn't watch this but it's sort of uh i mean we mentioned liquid television or who's the guy that does a lot of the um artwork for like rob zombie because it reminded me of that kind of artwork but made live yeah, action um, oh um oh what is his name um because it's not screaming mad george although no it's uh but you know he does like rat think and stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. that yep rat fink and that kind of stuff so if you've seen that kind of artwork if you know screaming mad george at all and you know his work uh it's that type of when we say body horror that's kind of what it is um uh, and, ed roth uh, ed roth does ed roth fink. that's that's the one yeah. so yeah i mean if you if you know ed roth if you know screaming mad george that's the kind of stuff we're talking about with the body horror like it's it's so cartoonishly over the top but it's still not easy to look at like Alex Winter's character Ricky um when he gets turned into the beast boy it's half of him but he's got like the th- the one thing that was almost too much for me were the the little like pustules that would occasionally like leak stuff the drooling was not great either but I could kind of get past that a little because they didn't overdo it my worry was that they were going to way overdo all of that stuff like the gooey icky gross and they yeah. didn't it 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 didn't overdo it for me and that was yeah, my one there's word a couple, there's a couple of little spots where they do stuff like that where they, he's looking at a sheet of paper and there's like a pustule like on his hand and yep. it like squirt onto the paper but it's, it's such like you know like double dare slime type stuff oh it's yeah like so you know yeah, it's, it's not like mucus or anything it's just like green gooey slime they probably got it from nickelodeon for all we know probably like, it wouldn't it would not surprise me whatsoever if it was like just leftover from from double dare or you can't do that on television um uh, nisbet in the chat chat room says is this one uh on the order of zombie land comedy no zombie land's a little more set like in a reality i would say this is completely like in a i don't want to say zuckerberg uh, type of universe but just very surreal and like like a living cartoon is yes. what this movie. Yeah. Um, a tank girl seems to me to be one that sort of like, if you've seen that, that movie takes place in like this hyper reality where you've got anthropomorphic um, kangaroos running around and kind of all that sort of stuff. It's like that. It's that, it's that early to mid nineties sort of, we're just going to go for the crazy and uh, that animation style come to life. Yeah. Um, this is, firmly like a 90s movie like this is aimed at you know 90s kids who are into slime and just things being gross and Mm -hmm. just complete like gross out humor i mean not all of it but a lot of it does center around like not just gross out humor but just subversive humor very subversive humor but then they'll then they'll have that moment the hammer moment still to me just like i have to bring that one up again because they're going through all these characters and they're doing quick flashbacks of how they came to the freak show and became and got turned into freaks by Elijah. 
and then it pans to a hammer that's just sitting on the ground and you get a flashback to a wrench on the wall at a at a hardware store and Elijah just picks it up and like sneers and puts it in a bag and then you see the shed with all the stuff and then it comes back and they're all just they're all like oh man that's terrible oh that's horrible it's so so funny and Randy Quaid sells it so like during that scene when he like grabs the wrench and he's like mm-hmm. you know the, the evil scientist la- laughing and just he, it doesn't feel like he's he's definitely hamming it up but it's just you, you can tell like he's just having the time of his life doing this he is like he is absolutely on a scale of 1 to 10 on the ham factor he's he's up around a 13 but he's so earnestly doing it too like he just he he's not he is Elijah Skuggs. He's not portraying, he's not pretending to be. He is that character and he just lives it. And it's so it's so perfectly done because he is over the top but earnest in it. In this mm. in this goofiness going on. Like you have to be you have to play that character the way he did for it to work. Yeah. Um and you have to I don't know if anybody else could have pulled it off the way he did, though, because Randy Quaid has a way about him of just playing that character just it's almost like he's being himself really it's kind weird. of yeah it's it's hard to explain i've been thinking like all day if i could think of anybody else playing that character because uh as much as i like alex winter in like bill and ted and all of that you could replace him with several different people oh, yeah. and they would have been fine in here um most of the freaks could have been replaced uh with other actors and it probably would have been fine like because they're in such heavy makeup, you know, if you don't know it's Keanu Reeves and you don't recognize his voice, you wouldn't think that it's him. Like I mentioned, I saw the name John Hawks, but I didn't know where he was in the movie because he's under all that makeup and, and looking literally like a cow. Um, but I don't think you could replace Bobcat Goldthwait as no. the voice of Sockhead. Like no. there's just that that character just that was the perfect voice to come out of that character. Yes, there there are certain actors whose voice you just can't replace it'd be like uh having a a deadpan character played by Stephen wright and replacing him with somebody else like you're gonna notice a difference that that voice bobcat goldthwaite's voice coming out of that sock puppet where and it and it's you can tell that it's like two people in the in the gear uh and but it's it's still so well done it's just perfect scene in the movie when he he's up there doing his little uh you know they're doing the freak show and he's doing his little bell routine and he's singing along to the bells and then everybody's clapping and he trips and he falls forward and the sock gets caught on the microphone and it's reveals it's a hand (laughs) and everybody gets pissed because he's not really a sock he's a hand (laughs) (laughs) like and it's such it's it's just such the way a, it was done. I, uh-huh. I don't know. It's like the, it, the the timing the movie had was perfect for a lot of those jokes. So that's the thing. Like it's a crazy script, but it's so well written because of jokes like that. And it's it's the timing of the sight gag of the sock coming off the hand and everybody's reaction. But then to immediately cut to Elijah, who's who's yelling at the audience that uh, puppeteering is a viable skill. <laughs> like that, that's what takes that from a good joke to a great joke that I will remember yeah. that moment in the movie because of that. Like it's, it's pretty I, cool. I know that Bobcat Goldthwait, you know, his voice tends to, it tends to grate on a lot of people's nerves, but I mean, it's not his real voice. That's his right. made up, voice, but they don't overdo it. 
like it, it's it, it doesn't get to the point where it's grating because you mm. know his character I don't know they just they just don't overdo it you know they know when to not overdo something in the movie I have to wonder how much of this movie like how much was made in the edit because I know from reading some a few things the test audiences hated it now some of that could be that you know expectations weren't right if you if you get people in for a test audience and they're thinking it's going to be like Bill and Ted and they watch this they're going to be very upset um, and you know they're using the name Alex Winter to to drum up people getting in for that, but oh, yeah. I just wonder how much like how much of the movie was because you've got a lot of really great um, ad lib and improv people in this, and how much of that edit, you know, how much of it was written versus how much is edited, um, is interesting because you're right they balanced like Bobcat Goldthwait and his voice as that character perfectly because he is grating but that's by design and it's a great affectation. I love the way he does that voice. Like nobody does it like him either. It's like Gilbert Gottfried, right? Gilbert Gottfried, who sadly just passed away recently, had that type of voice that's super grating. But when he was used right, when he, mm-hmm. when he was put in a part and, and written well, like it's just genius. Iago in, in Aladdin is so perfect because he's just yeah. the right amount of that voice. Um, and they did that here. And that's why I wonder, you know, if there was like, there definitely had to be a longer cut of this mm-hmm. movie. And, you know, the test audiences hated it. So they just cut it down to, you know, the hour and it's only an hour and 15 minutes. But I feel like that entire hour and 15 minutes is the perfect length for this type of movie. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It doesn't linger too long on jokes that don't work. It's like it's boom, boom. I mean, this movie smokes. Yes, it really and and that is you're you're dead on right. If this was longer than an hour and a half, it doesn't work because it's going to overstay its exactly. welcome. You're just going to get tired of it. You're going to eventually just get worn out. You can't you can't handle that. Um, that hour and fifteen hour and I think it's an hour. I think it's an hour nineteen with credits. Um, yeah, is like perfect because it is a frenetic pace in this movie. It never lets up. It's just one after the other after the other. There's no there's very little like quiet introspective moments uh, because as, as soon as they start that, then the little kid shows up as like, you know, his hallucination who, by the <laughs> way, those, those had to have been prosthetic ears on him, right? Those weren't his real ears. Oh yeah. That they, those they, ears are definitely prosthetics. Then no could, human has ears like that. I hope not, man. That, that kid would have taken flight <laughs> with a strong wind. Those were like sails oh, attached yeah. to the side of his head. Those were amazing. Um, but that, that poor kid, and I know that was a stunt man, you know, when they're doing the thing where he's trying to, because <laughs> him and him and uh, the, you know, the main character, uh, Alex Winter's character, they have a mental link after Alex Winter gets changed into the beast boy or whatever. Yeah. And the kid is going around trying to go to different newspapers to get the story out there that, you know, he's trapped in South America or uh, in this freak show. And he's going to these different papers and everyone he goes to, they just, toss him out the, the the through the class door it was oh it was such a great <laughs> and then montage the one, and the world you know the world news or whatever is like we got to get this out out there and and the kid's like he says something that a kid like uh can i show you the way out and the kid and the kid's like it's okay i know the way and he just jumps through the door yes. like those type of jokes that's what this movie's about yes and that was a great sequence because it's just one after the other after the other of him yeah. going and that was um that was a stunt double that was deep roy um who yeah. 
who showed up. That was another great sequence where that guy um, who uh, I can't think of the actual character's name that um, that William Sadler refers to as Juan Valdez. Yeah, um, it was um, trying to George Ramirez. That's was, uh, because yes. he's four different actors played because every time they cut away and cut back, <laughs> it was a different actor, but he was getting smaller each time. Yes. And I loved when I saw Deep Roy. Um, because he's another one of those uh, those faces that I see in a lot of stuff, whether it's um, behind the scenes stuff in like Lord of the Rings, or he did, uh, I think he did a bunch of he was all the the Oompa Loompas in Tim Burton's yeah. version of uh, Charlie. And, and the this Chocolate is Factor. definitely the type of movie you're gonna have Deep Roy play several characters. Oh in. yeah, so he was doing the stunt double work for that, and then also the 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 fourth different version of George Ramirez was uh, Mishu. Uh, Mezazaros, who I just recently did on another show talking about Alf. He played, uh, or they they played Alf when it was not the puppet, when they would be in the okay, costume running yeah. around. It was Mishu that did that, so I thought that was kind of cool too. Um, but yeah, that that joke where it's newspaper after newspaper, and then it's the Weekly World News, and the guy's just like, "This is brilliant. We got to do this right now." You know, get this kid paid and show him and show him the way out. And the kid's just like, don't worry. I know. And turns and just dives through. I guess Deep Roy actually cut himself on one of the pieces of glass doing that. Sure he did. That was um, a lot. That was, I, you know, that was like four or five different sequences of being thrown through yeah. that door. <laughs> and I imagine that's not the only take they had. I mean, I, I imagine there were several takes of each one. I have to imagine they're, they're that's they a lot of sugar glass to be in being be thrown through. <laughs> yeah. And that kid, by the way, is uh, Alex Zuckerman played Stewie, um, the, the Stewie, the troll who it's just hilarious that he shows up on the plane right at the beginning. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's when, you know, like at that point, you've already figured out what this movie is and it just keeps ratcheting up the, the, the zany and the, the silliness. Um, Morgan Fairchild as the stewardess. That was a that was a cameo I wasn't prepared for. Um like I just I I don't if I think of this movie, that's not a name that even comes into the realm of possibility of being in oh, it. Oh, I know. Not and, even Brooke Shields. Like she shows up yeah. in this movie, not in a small part either. And it's like, how did he get all these people? Like <laughs> and I understand William Sadler's in this because he loves just doing these, you know, these weird characters like this. Like like you know, he obviously met him on the set of Bogus Journey, mm -hmm. where, of course, he played death. And this is not far removed from from that character. No, not at all. Um, and because I know uh, Winter, Sadler, um, Keanu Reeves, and I think uh, Tim um, also, uh, Tom, or Tom Stern, rather, sorry. Tom Stern, I think, was involved in Bogus Journey. So in some capacity. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was, it was great to see them. I, I, I do have to make, come back to William Sadler because he was so good in that small, small little bit he had, he just plays that role perfectly. And then for him to be the laughing man and, but he never laughs when he's on screen. Yeah. And then, you know, they say the laughing man, he's like, ah, oh, let's just get rid of code names and goes right back into what he was doing before. Like that's another one of those great, just, it's a well-written joke that gets paid off. And, and I love when comedies do that. Good comedies pull that off. You know, one of my yeah. favorite comedies of all time is Hot Fuzz because of how well that script is written. 
and how it sets every joke it sets up, it knocks down and pays off by the end of it. And this was another one of those where they didn't leave a lot of, there weren't a lot of like those jokes where you're just like, okay. I mean, there's a few, um, and any movie with this many jokes like freaked had is going to have that, but so many of them are just paid off so well. And yeah. like they have that little bit extra, that little bit of like puppeteering is a valid skill or whatever thing to just make them that much better. Like, the we we've mentioned gross out humor and one of the funnier um auditory jokes is when he convinces the milkman to come inside who by the way that was tom that was the director playing the milkman um and he convinces him to come inside the trap door because he's got a turd that looks like uh what did he who did he say it was oh it was um oh man it wasn't <laughs> now I forgot. I, it, it wasn't morgan fairchild no, 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 no. It was, uh, no, um, I, I can't think of it. I literally just watched it yesterday and now but, I can't remember what but he, he said. He tells him that and the guy's like, oh, he's like, but, and she, and, and naked. And he's like, oh, that's this I got to see. And he goes inside and immediately it's like, oh, that's just a regular turd. Well, it kind of <laughs> looks like Winona Ryder. And it's just like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's delivery of just silly stuff like that, that works. So it, it is, it's like that, uh, it's like R rated, uh, Warner brothers cartoons. You mentioned slapsticks too. Um, uh, kind of three stooges type humor. That was never more evident than with the, um, Ernie, uh, Ernie, Julie or Julie Ernie, uh, yeah, they, they melded the two they get melded together into, you know, half man, half woman and hijinks ensue <laughs> from that point on. But their transformation was great because oh. it was completely, uh, you know, claymation. And they threw in some Harryhausen yep. uh, shout outs in there like they did. You know, they had the the cyclops head yes. pop out. And then, of course, they had uh, Gumby and... <laughs> Pokey. <laughs> yep. Oh, that was great. I, I even love the the silliness of the milkman uh joke because you get like you have the milkman and again here's here's where this script is so well written. So you have the milkman show up and Ricky convinces him, you know, knocks him out, takes his clothes, which silly enough as it is. Minutes later, after a whole other scene has gone on, he comes back out and here's all the rest of the freaks all dressed like milkmen and they're on their way out. And that alone is silly enough. And then you get the line from Ortiz, the dog boy of 12 milkmen is completely plausible, but 13, that's just silly. One of us has and, to go. And then you have, uh, you know, Randy Quaid, like looking at this through the window <laughs> and he's like, that sure is a lot of milkmen for one route. No wonder they're they're fighting or yes. something. Whatever he said right and, there, and that again, that was that that one line that took it from a good gag to something I'm going to remember because it's just so it's so well delivered. Where it's like he legit like the character legitimately is like, huh? That's a lot of milkmen for one route. No wonder they fight. But also, yeah, and, and but also during that scene, uh, the reason they're fighting is because he's trying to tell them that. You know, there's this huge Randy Quaid head and yes. like, you know, like sculpted head in the middle of the courtyard that turns in a circle and they're always looking at it and the eyes are always changing position. And it's always one of those things where everybody's like, oh, the eyes are following me. Well, when he's trying to escape as the milkman, the eyes pop out and they're these they're little 
Rastafarian eyeballs with machine guns. <laughs> and he's trying to tell them don't go in the courtyard because of the Rastafarian eyeballs. And of course they don't believe him. And that's why he and, and, you know, Ortiz start fighting, but it's just so like, you see these little Rastafarian eyeballs with machine guns and you're like, it, it, they're so well sculpted mm-hmm. and way they're puppeted. And you're just like, this is amazing. It really, I can't. It really <laughs> is. Uh, by the way, uh, you have now said Rastafarian eyeballs with machine guns more times today than I think I've uh, than I've definitely ever heard in my entire life. This is um, the most I've, I, I don't think I've ever said it before today. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely not a sentence that I thought I would hear when I when you know like yesterday, like twenty four hours ago. If you had told me you're going to hear the words Rastafarian eyeballs with machine guns and know what it means. <laughs> Um, oh, it's just th- this movie is fun. Now you have to. I'm with you. Watch it if if you're watching it for the first time, or even if it's just you're going to watch it again. You want to watch this movie with a group of people. This is one to sit down yeah. to have some fun. Uh, you know, maybe have some drinks. It's definitely um, something to watch, like around Halloween. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. When you sure. have like a Halloween party going on, or you know, you have a group of people over, and you're ha- you know you're drinking, have a good time. Watch it with a group of people. But I will say, if you're going to watch it on your own and you've never seen it, you know, don't expect, you know, a high level of cinema. Like, this is definitely. No, this is a uh, lowbrow as lowbrow gets. Um, yeah. Be prepared for that. But honestly, like, it's fun. This, you know what, I'm as, as we're talking and I keep mentioning like Warner Brothers, it's less Warner Brothers come to life and more of like, uh, like, um, uh, oh, shoot. I just had it. The animator. He did Wizards. Um, uh, wow. Why can't I think of his name all of a sudden? Um, shoot. He did Lord of the Rings back in the 70s. Uh, animated oh, version. oh, yeah. Uh, oh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing how, how this happens, isn't it? Uh, I know. Well, it, we're just getting old. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it is. Uh, Ralph Bakshi. Ralph Bakshi, Ralph Bakshi, yep. like that that Ed Roth, Ralph Bakshi type animation come to life. It's that yeah. sort of weird, out there, trippy kind of stuff. Um, and and it's honestly, it's really, really, it's amazingly well done, and it looks so much better than you would ever think. But it's as lowbrow as it gets. Like the humor is yeah. complete toilet humor. The worm character just wants somebody to wipe his ass. Uh, which is a good running gag. I actually like that Ortiz came back at the very end. Mm-hmm. Just like, ran, like it makes no sense, but he just comes randomly running in, still chasing that same so he's squirrel. Been, he's been chasing a squirrel across the entire American continent <laughs> yes. and ends up in the studio in LA. Like, okay, I accept it. At this point, I'll accept anything you tell me. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, look, this was the, the, these were the whitest people in a South American country I've ever seen. Right. <laughs> like that was that was at the at that point in the movie I was still using too much of my analytical brain and I'm like oh really like this doesn't even look like a South American co- nope stop stop unplug just enjoy this what is, you're seeing this is uh, right outside the LA city limits yes exactly we're at. <laughs> that's that's how South American they got was uh was South American California um and there's one joke that you know that, that they're once they get to, to South America, you know, they're showing like the, the plane landing on the tarmac 
and it says, you know, they, we're now landing in, in San F Fran or whatever. San, uh, what Santa Flan. Santa Flan. And then the plane touches down and it explodes. And then it cuts to Alex Winter and he's like, man, glad that wasn't our plane. Like, that's the kind of humor you're going to get from this movie. Yes. Yep. And like pieces of wreckage are falling behind them. And they're, you know, <laughs> that that reminded me of Zucker Brothers, right? Of Airplane. Yes. That So there's there's this mishmash of different stuff in there. And I think, well, it's not, per this isn't a perfect movie by any stretch. I enjoyed it because they, you could tell where their influences came from. You can tell they were influenced by some of that animation, by some of that type of humor. And they just took bits and pieces of it and they put something together and to Alex winter. And um, I'm going to keep forgetting his name until uh, it's Tom. Uh, um, uh, what is it? Tom Burns. Well, there's Tom Burns and Tom, no Tim Burns and Tom Stern, Tom Stearns. Okay. So to Alex winter and Tom Stearns credit, like they just went for it and they wanted to do something. And you look at both of their kind of IMDB credits list. They both of them go for these weird stuff, these yeah. weird these weird things. They're very, very much like a movie version, and they did a bunch of music videos. Uh, Tom Stearns did music videos and short films with Butthole Surfers, and Butthole Surfers were part of the the music for this um, for this film. And you can kind of see that sort of same sensibility, and that works for some people, and for some people, it's just completely off putting, and you can't get into it, uh, and that's fine. Like. If you if this isn't your type of movie, um, I totally get it. But I think that it's it's definitely a fun one to watch. Um, I think you should if you're going to watch it and you're not sure about it, at least give it until you get to the uh, the freak show in South America, mm -hmm. because it's it's like you said the 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 character of Ricky and uh, his buddy can kind of grate on your nerves up until that point. Oh, big time. <laughs> Because once you get to South America and you get, which is not far, it's like, what, eight minutes into the movie, 10 minutes into the movie. Yeah. It once you get long. to the actual freak show with Randy Quaid, that's where the movie actually becomes what it is mm -hmm. at that point. Yeah. And if you could, if you make it to there and like you start to meet the other freaks, the dog boy, the worm, sockhead, all of that, and it's, it's not grabbing you, cut loose. I'm, I, I'm never going to fault you for yeah. that. But it, it, like you said, it's only an hour and 15 minutes, so it's not a long commitment to it. Um, and I just, I, I was very impressed by the end at how deftly they handled certain things and how they didn't overuse like certain aspects of things. They didn't, you know, Bobcat Goldthwait being one, the, the pussies runoff stuff from like Beast Boy being another one where they just didn't overdo that. Even saving like the whole big fight at the end with super beast boy and super troll kid um, was like super Stewie. <laughs> yeah. Super Stewie. Like that was the right amount of stuff with that before it was going to become too much. And you're just gonna be like, all right, now yeah. I'm bored with this. Um, so I really enjoyed that. Yeah. I feel like if the movie, like you said, if it had been, I think it's the perfect length for what it is. If it had gone another 15 minutes, even to the hour and a half, you know, the 90 minute mark, feel like that would have been too too much i think it's perfect length for what it is mm -hmm. it's 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 a uh nightmare having a fever dream on acid of a movie <laughs> yes <laughs> yes this is a good movie if you're gonna do like a saturday night you're hanging out with some friends and you want to do like a double feature 
this is a good one to throw into yeah. a double feature with something else that's equally like, either silly or like a horror movie. Because I would say if you're gonna have a night where you're gonna watch like Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Freak, like those two, these these two movies oh, yeah. would go perfect together. That would be a great double bill. Or uh, Naked Lunch and Freaked, like could, could yeah. fit together. Something weird like that and this I think would work um, because it's short and it's going to be silly. It's going to be funny. You're going to have fun, you know, laughing at the ridiculousness of it. Um, I, I enjoyed all that. I did capture a few pieces of audio. I do want to play because okay. <laughs> I was surprised at the number of things that I wanted to capture. And then as I listened to them, I'm like, eh, that doesn't really make a good clip out of context. Some, some stuff yeah. works better out of context. Some stuff you have to see the visual with it. Uh, but here was a few. I just, this, for whatever reason, got me with, uh, with Brooke Shields. It's her delivery on this. She's doing that kind of, uh, it's, daytime it's a, talk show. it's the daytime like, talk show delivery. And it's, it's an actor that knows that they're trying there. It's an actor that's actively trying to overact the part for the comedic effect. And I just like this delivery. And now back to the exciting conclusion of Ricky Coogan's incredible story. Cause like there are, I've, I've heard that delivered exactly that same way by somebody who legitimately is trying to be that, but you can tell they're just, they're checked out like her character, oh, yeah. her character isn't even there anymore. Um, which was another one of those jokes that they didn't overplay. Like they didn't really, it wasn't until the very end where you get the, the shot of everybody sleeping in the audience. Um, and I liked that cause that was funny, but it would have not been as funny had they done it earlier. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, and and plus it's just great to see Brooke Shields and something. And they made a joke about Blue Lagoon or Return to Blue Lagoon yeah. as the, the movie on the planet. <laughs> and it's funny because at the time when this movie came out, it was like Brooke Shields had already been, you know, like uh, had a, an entire career, and she mm -hmm. was already pretty much retired at this point. And you look back, and she's like, she was what, like thirty? Yeah, right there. Mm -hmm. She's not very, and you're like, wow, like it. it, it it's because I when I at that time as a kid I was like, you know, she was she felt so much older than me, and now I I look at this like she was so young in this. Yeah. Uh, when when they mentioned Santa Flan, uh, I just loved this. It is named for the patron saint of creamy desserts. <laughs> Something with the way he says creamy desserts, <laughs> creamy desserts. <laughs> just got me uh that made me that made me laugh oh uh, this is another one of those again this is randy quaid doing randy quaid and as i said at the top of the show it's kind of it's a bummer that he's gone completely out where the buses don't run because oh, yeah. man when he's on like i love to capture uh laughter and f especially like the the overdone fake laughter in movies uh so then of course i'm gonna get this I just love the family circus. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. And then he makes the joke about how they, you know, or they ma he makes the, the line that they use the same joke over and over. But I just... Did uh, you notice a couple of times in this movie, especially with, like, the way they had his hair and they had that beard, you know, the, everything, like, he made some... You can really tell that he is... Uh, Rand, uh, not Randy, but uh, Dennis Quaid's brother. Oh yeah, because some of the facial expressions he made, and it, it was like looking at you know Dennis Quaid a couple mm -hmm. of times in that movie. Yep. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, <laughs> I love a movie that can open up with something as ridiculous as this. We repeat, 
The flying gimp has been destroyed. You may return to your homes. And that's it. It's never mentioned again. Like that's <laughs> that must be something of a crossover or a continuation from Idiot Box of some kind. Yeah. Like I, I I don't know what, but that that's, made that made me laugh. That's the start of the movie. <laughs> that, is that that is the first <laughs> first line after you have the the crazy epileptic uh, opening credits, which are nuts and all sorts of epileptic trigger warnings. But the song that is playing is is great. And- what song is that? Because I tried to to look it up. It's because it, it said the Butthole Surfers. So did, they, and I they, was wondering if that was Butthole Surfers with Henry Rollins singing. No, it was. There were two bands that were part of the music. It was Butthole Surfers and um, like one, an idiot god or something like that. And uh, that was them with with Henry Rollins. Weird. Yeah, I thought it was just like Rollins band at first. Uh, I mean, well, I at first up... I thought maybe it was like because it's not it doesn't sound like Rollins band. It's a little too frenetic. Like it sounds like Blind... somewhere between Rollins band and Black Flag, but just kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's Blind Idiot God, um, which is Andy Hawkins, Ted Epstein, and Gabe Katz uh, with with Henry okay. Rollins. Um. So yeah. Uh, but yeah, you, you hear that song, you get the opening credits, and then the first line of the movie is... We repeat, the flying gimp has been destroyed. You may return to your homes. And I was like, okay, I don't know what's <laughs> happening, but sure, we'll just go with that. Um, this was, okay, uh, this was a great reference because this was a pretty dated reference at the time of this movie, and I still found it funny uh, because I got it, and it was... When the kid at the end of the movie um, ends up on the the table, I think, in the boardroom, or not the boardroom, but the um, when the board of directors and everybody are there, yeah, and they they talk about him being ugly or something, and well, you're no Julio Iglesias yourself, Mister. <laughs> <laughs> it was almost like how many people watching this movie in 1993 knew who Julio Iglesias was. Oh, he was already like way that that was an old joke then. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> Thirty years ago, that was an old joke. I mean, it would be an old reference to to talk about Julio's son Enrique Iglesias today, and it would have been funnier if they said if they would have said, "Well, you're no Keanu Reeves yourself." <laughs> if they would have said something like that, it would have been way more relevant. Even today, it would have been relevant. Yeah, it would have. Um, that's for sure. Uh, but I just I got a chuckle out of that because I love like stupid deep cuts. If I catch them, that's one of the reasons why I love like Mystery Science Theater three thousand yeah. is because you can watch that in a room full of people and the jokes you could just you watch the humor like scroll through the room because certain jokes will land with certain people. I remember watching an episode of that with my parents and. I was probably like in my late teens and my sister had a couple of her friends over and we're all watching it. And like, there was just different jokes. The different groups of us would laugh at different points. And so anytime that happens, I get tickled. Um, This one's just called milkman. I believe this is probably Randy Quaid. That's a lot of milkmen on the same route. No wonder they fight. (laughs) That's so good. That is, that is delivery of his lines. It's a perfect delivery, and it's such a well-written joke. 
to to back up like this whole ridiculous scene of 12 milkmen is theoretically possible but 13 <laughs> and there's a whole joke in the movie where you know they sneak into his laboratory using the worm to dig a hole into yep. the laboratory they turn the machine on and it's got like these you know alarms <laughs> blaring randy quaid's in his living room watching like uh, a cops type of show yeah and he doesn't hear it and then it cuts back and alex winter like master volume turns down to to nothing he's like oops and then he knocks a styrofoam cup off the table and it just softly hits the ground and randy quaid's like styrofoam cup that was such a good again perfect delivery that quick turn and it's just oh i love that like I I just enjoyed him so much in this movie. He's having it's so worth watching just for him alone. It really, really is. Uh, this was another. Oh, this was a great one with him and Sadler, uh, and the assistant um, when he's giving the presentation. And we own the copyright. This guy's good. We lured him away from Pepsi. Ah. <laughs> 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 oh. Again, those are like those are two perfect deliveries right in a row. And it's it William Sadler is so much funnier than people give him credit for. And because because he can play he can play stern and he can play gruff so well, but man can he he can just make me lose it with laughter. He can just chew up so much scenery mm -hmm. when he wants to. Oh yeah. Uh and I have one more and it was uh well, I'll just play it. Just a regular turd. <laughs> <Such, laughs> you I need you, that. Uh, I need that that sound clip. <laughs> uh, I can send it to you. It's so you can hear the disappointment in that character's voice. He was so excited for whatever whoever that turd was supposed to be. And, and for the for the reference, like the the place that Randy uh, Randy Quay's character keeps the freaks. Like there's this just little crappy looking, you know, falling down outhouse. Yep. But he opens it up and it's like this huge, it's like the TARDIS, you know, mm -hmm. this huge, like looks like a barn in yep. there where he keeps all the freaks. And there's the joke where he shuts the door and locks them in. And he's like, one day I got to put a crapper in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I love too, because they open that up and he's like, great use of space. Yeah, <laughs> Bob Vila shows up. Yes, for oh. those who remember Bob Vila, that was another great, well-executed joke because it it was done the perfect amount. Like you have Bob Vila, the Bob Vila lookalike, and yeah. then for him to show up again, right when he comes outside, he's like, "I got to put a crapper in there one day." And it's Bob Vila. Well, you know, Elijah, it's not that hard. And he just hits him over the head with a hammer. <laughs> it's what if so. It was the it's the same hammer from inside the <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Oh, not well, now it is. In my head it is anyway. Yeah. It's canon. It, yes. <laughs> this honestly is a is a fun, silly movie. I didn't know what to expect from it uh when I started it. And like I say, the first probably ten or fifteen minutes I'm like, Well, I'm gonna get through it because I'm doing it for the show, but am I gonna like it by the end? And by the end of it I was just like, I'm hooked. You got me. I'm gonna. I, I I will set up a movie night at some point with some like-minded friends, and we're gonna watch this and just laugh at it because it's just, it's so over the top and so silly. And I love stuff like that. It is, it is the the movie equivalent of like a Primus song or Mr. Bungle is probably even better. Right? Like Mr. Yeah. Bungle is just 
way out there. And I love stuff like that. So this definitely found, uh, found a home with me and I'm so glad that you, you suggested it. Oh yeah. Well, the bad, the bad thing is that it's so hard to find right now. That is the, because the hard part. It's not available on DVD. It's not available to stream. There is a copy on YouTube, but I don't know what the what the quality is like. And the, the DVDs are are going for it about 50, 60 bucks on uh, on eBay. It makes me wonder if it's a music thing. Like it's a if it's a music rights. It could something, be something because that's usually what ends up causing movies to be difficult to find. Because it's not not even that it's not available on a streaming service. You can't rent or buy it on any of the yeah. YouTube, Google, Apple platforms. Like none of none of them have it. So it was on Netflix a few years ago. I know for a fact it was on because I actually watched it on Netflix. Oh wow! Probably seven or eight years ago, maybe. Uh, maybe maybe a little more maybe around 10 years ago it was on it was available for download on netflix but i don't know why it's not it's not available these days like you said it might it's probably a music thing yeah i i have to you know i have to uh believe that that's what it is but but if you can find it i think it's worth watching i think it's fun uh, so thank you so much for for bringing this one oh, to my welcome. attention and getting me to watch it. Uh, I, I feel like I said it's it's definitely like a, a movie to add to the Halloween list mm-hmm. of movies to watch. Like this fits right in there with you know like Cronenberg type you know Cronenberg movies and and like it, I you could fit this in a movie where you watch like this Killer Clowns and then The Fly. Like yeah. you could watch those three movies like in a row like at a. You know, that's a, a pretty that's a pretty good progression too because like this then killer clowns is just as silly but it's a little it's it's trying to be a little more of a horror movie and then the fly is obviously very much a horror movie so yeah that's a that's a pretty good kind of a to b to c i like that and i might do that for your listeners just just know that it's you're <laughs> either gonna love it or hate it it's one of those two mm-hmm I think me me and you both agree if you get to the freak show part where with Randy Quaid you get to that part and you're not hooked just uh, just jump ship because yep. you're not going to like anything else after that. Yeah, it's not going to get better for you after that point if you if you haven't gotten in by then. Um and thankfully I did so because I was going to get through it no matter what. But I don't I'm uh, just glad you enjoyed it because I didn't want to have to come on here and be like I'm sorry for, <laughs> for putting you through that. I mean, you know, look, it, it was possible that that could happen. I, I have had a few times where I brought somebody on and they were like, I just didn't like the movie, man. And, you know, then, I, then I'm then i there kind of, I don't want to necessarily try to just defend the movie, but I sort of try to bring, like, my mindset and have the conversation with them and find out what it is. Um, so, but, uh, but no, I just, I love this. This was fun. This was crazy. This was the first thing that popped in my head whenever you sent me you know, a message asking me if I'd do the show. You know, I looked through the list of the stuff that you guys had done and then started listening to the show. And I really enjoy this podcast. It's oh, become one of my favorites to go back. And I'm, I'm trying to listen through all the back catalog now. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but I looked in it and this wasn't on there. I was like, he definitely has to watch this movie. And I, I just feel like this is one of those movies that if you love movies, you have to see it at least once because it is one of the weirdest movies you will ever see mm-hmm. in oh, your yeah. life. Definitely. Definitely. Well, speaking of shows, uh, you do a couple of shows, don't you? 
Yeah, I uh, I do two two podcasts myself. One is called Open Micers. It's at Open Micers on Twitter and Instagram. Me and my um, fellow comedian Jacob Craig, we talk to uh, different celebrities and, and interview uh, other podcasters. And you know, we we've had people from Pink Floyd on the show. We've had um, nice. the uh, the bass player for all the Mike Post stuff back in the eighties. Like he did oh. the played bass on like you know like the a team and all that stuff he's been on the show uh we've talked to uh you know jason london and uh just all sorts of people uh, J- uh stephen perkins from jane's addiction has been on the show go check it out it's a, it's a really fun show that we do over at open micers and then i do uh, a, a retro gaming podcast if you enjoy scott johnson's play retro show uh, I do a show called Nerd Cave Retro with Derek Diamond from the Feature Presentation Podcast, and we talk about retro games. We enter, we review a retro game every single week. We do the gaming retro gaming news of the week, and uh, we're almost at 300 episodes now. We've oh, been going wow. since 2016. Very cool. Uh, what is what is the qualification for retro? How old does it have to be? We like to say anything 20 years and before. Okay. Like right now we're starting to just to, to squeeze into the uh GameCube PS2 original Xbox era. Oh, I just feel old now thinking of that as retro, but I totally get it as well. So we're almost to the point where the 360 was going to be considered retro soon cuz I know, let's not talk about that. getting up there too. <laughs> yeah. I don't like it. I'm no, getting I up don't there. Either. <laughs> no, no. Uh, I do. I I do a show on retro television, uh, classic TV, and um, we've just started that. It's called "Those Were the Days," and when we talk about that, we were like, "Yeah, anything kind of late '90s into like 2000 ish era is part of that." And it's like, "Wow, wow!" I was I was like a full grown adult by then, and now that's considered classic. Okay, all right. Well, yeah. just go with it. Um, very cool. Open micers. And what was the other one, man? On uh, nerd cave retro at nerd, nerd cave, cave retro. retro on Twitter and Instagram. Excellent. Check those out. Uh, this was super fun. Thank you for coming on this week. Oh, thank you for having me. I, I still want to come back and do the other one I suggested too, uh, sometime soon. Yes. Yep. Well, I, I will put that on the list. We will definitely do that, uh, as well because, uh, this was fun and that sounds like a, another fun one to do. And I want to get you over on the Open Micers podcast, too. So we're going to talk about that this week, too. Sounds good. I'm, I'm all for that. So if you enjoy this show uh, and you want to watch it live, you can do that Sunday nights, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis, uh, Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern time. And then it comes out as a podcast in the feeds on Wednesdays, and you can get that anywhere uh, you get podcasts or go to tvstravis.com um, and search for it, uh, you know, get it there because I made it, uh, I made it the title with punctuation and all sorts of stuff, and it's terrible to search for. So uh, you can also support the show. Uh, you can buy me a cup of coffee at ko-fi.com slash tvstravis, um, and uh, I appreciate that. Or leaving a rating and review of the show on the podcast platform of your choice, Apple Podcasts especially. Helps out a ton, so thank you for that. Now, next week, uh, next week I am going to find out who I'm talking to uh, because I know that it's going to be a fun one. And uh, you'd think I'd have this ready. <laughs> ah, yes. Don't do that. I do the same thing. <laughs> next week, I have got Jeremy uh, coming on, and I'm going to show him 
Masters of the Universe. Ooh, that's a good one. He's never seen it, and I have I have kind of a, a, a strange affinity for that movie. I do for too. As, for as horrible because it's not good. But it's a Masters I, of the Universe movie that doesn't have any He Man in it. <laughs> yeah, it, it really kind of is. Um, but I'm I'm going to have some fun with that. So that's what's coming up next week's Masters of the Universe. So you're going to want to come back and check that out. Uh, until then. Uh, thank you one more time, Jay, for uh, for coming on. Thank this you. was super fun. And for everybody else out there, enjoy your movies, especially if it's freaked. Get, get a group of people together and watch that if you can. And uh, let's be excellent to each other. Respect. I think the whole thing is a fucking headache. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>